Hi everyone and welcome to Trim the Fat. Um, I've just been taken on a tour with my guest Bev Boucher here at Sean Shirley Funeral Home and my mind has been pretty blown. It's quite an amazing thing. How are you Bev? I'm very good thank you. Do you want to um, tell us what your job is and your background? Okay, I'll start with um, my background is I'm a new ex-nurse. Um, I actually owned a flower um, centre on the site and then we built Trone and Shirley here which is a purpose-built building. Um, I had no intentions of ever being in the industry but somehow we landed here. <laughs> We've taken it over and I'm now a funeral director so I'm, I own it but I'm also an everyday funeral director. My role is um, I do transfers, I um, see families, um, all that sort of thing. So yeah, yeah. So you, there's many different parts to your job. Mm -hmm. What's probably, what's the thing that you're most responsible for in, in, as being a funeral director? The most responsible thing you're for is to, with your families, yeah, and you've got to understand them, you've got to understand their wishes, you've got to listen to them, you know, a, a lot of people, you know, they come in here, they're confused, so you give them ideas, but you've got to listen, that's the most important thing. So, how, can you describe to me a typical funeral, and how, and how you sort of interact with with that or, or say the entire process because we just walked through um, the building and had a and had a squiz and had a look around and there's a lot of different processes but do you just want to like describe for the for the listeners what happens with it with a funeral and, and, and at what point you guys become involved and where you end it if that makes sense mm -hmm. yeah um, we start off with the family contacting us and wanting to look after their loved one um, we do the transfer, transfer them into our care here, and we have a process that we go through with that. And then we meet with the family. And here at Jones, the family is your family, um, which is very important to us as a way of dealing with their grief and things, working them through the process. So, yeah, um, so we'll discuss things with them like. Um, what they'd like for a funeral um, for their loved ones. We've got another, also another page that we have to fill in for um, births, deaths and marriages to do the death certificate. So we do that. Um, we do uh, fill in this form and talk to them and discuss them about what they'd like, you know, what, whether they'd like the person embalmed, whether or not they want them viewed, caskets, own clothing, music. And while we're talking to them, we sort of work out who would be a good celebrant if they haven't got one, you know, in mind, who would be a good celebrant to actually be with that family because there's all different... Needs? Uh, needs. Yeah. 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 And um, some people want a vibrant sort of a celebrant and some people just want a very quiet one. Um, others go to churches, things like that. So we always work in with them on what they want to do. To me, personally, I think it's very important that people can do what they want to do on a service. Like if they want to do the flowers, if they want to do service sheets and things, I think that helps them in the grieving process. So I personally, 
if they can do it without being too stressed, then I think it's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. so you have so you've you've met with the family and you've discussed um, what what they're gonna what type of service they're gonna mm -hmm. uh, want and then from there, what happens? From there, what happens is they choose a casket. Um, if they want the person embalmed, then they're embalmed by another staff member other than me because I don't do embalming. Yep. Um, and then they're put in the caskets. We liaise with the family to tell them that their loved one is ready for viewing. So they come down and do the viewings. And then on the day of the actual funeral, we often give them the option of being with them while we close the lid of the casket. Um, some people like that, some people don't wish to do it. And we get them to screw, put the screws in the casket if they wish. And that's, is, another, that's another, rite of, uh, another ritual, I guess, that people just want to be a part of to sort of go into that process. It is. And it's one of the last things that they can do for them. So, you know, and it gives some people closure to closing that casket. And then, of course, we do the service. Um, we do what they want us to do, usually service sheets. We meet and greet and hand out service sheets. Um, talk to the family, talk to other people, just mix. And then we actually do the service. You've got your celebrant running the service, so we're in the, the scenes behind and we're doing the um, music, the sounds, the slideshow, anything like that. Awesome, sorry. Mm. Okay, so... I'm kind of struggling in which, which part to talk about in terms of this interview, which, which I want to talk about first. Let, I think we'll pull back a little bit. And for somebody like you who works in this industry, how do you personally see death? Personally, I don't want to face it, <laughs> to be quite honest. I want to go for several years yet. Um, yeah, that's a tricky question because I really have got some feelings about dying and death. Yeah. That, um, I, I, I get really angry that people have to suffer as much to die. Yeah. You know, and that part angers me. But once they've passed, then it's okay. Yeah. yeah but I just think this needless suffering for days is not on. And, I mean, I guess it's interesting, though, because, I mean... Obviously, I, I, this is the first time I've been through a walk through a funeral home. Um, and I, I'm not exposed to it in any way like you are. So, uh, so I guess I'm wondering if you working in this industry has changed your perception of it in any particular way. Like, I guess one thing that might come up, a, a listener might sort of think perhaps maybe you become, in a sense or in a, in a way desensitised to it. Have you, do you have any thoughts about that? No, you never, you never come desensitised to it because you're dealing with different families, different parts of grief. Um, I have changed, the only thing that I am really, really certain of now is what I want, you know, um, was always cremation or burial. I've definitely changed my mind there and it's definitely cremation, yeah. And, but that's the really the only, and some of the things that I would like to happen at my service, you know, because um, you see so many interesting services and things, and people are saying all these lovely things, and oh, I wonder if my kids are going to say something like that. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So yeah. No, but 
As for diet death, well, we have to face it at all, but um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> has, um, has it ever gotten to you? Yes. Mm-hmm. How did that affect you? Um, sometimes you just, you can't sleep. You've got something that's really disturbed you in a case and you can't sleep. Um, you know, you feel sorry for the family and there's nothing, absolutely nothing that you can do to help them. And that is hard to deal with. You know, sometimes just, especially if it's at a weekend and we haven't got the staff to talk to with, you know, it's really hard. Do you, do you, do you have methods of, of, of dealing with these more difficult cases? Yes, we do. We, we actually have, um, good communication in the staff yeah. and we sit down and we talk about things, what's bothering us, it's just in, like in morning tea, it'd be an extended morning tea or something like that or grab a coffee and go over to the viewing room and over to the other room and have a talk about things. And But if anybody needed any further care than that, um, then they would get it. Yeah. But so far we haven't, because we're so such a friendly team and we can all talk about our experiences. And I guess you really do need that, don't you? I mean, it's it's different from, say, driving a truck or, you know, you know, it's a quite a, it's an intense sort of thing, or well, at least from the outside, you know, so I guess you must have those support networks available to you. You have got them available, but I think the best ones to understand what you're going through is the ones around you, mm. you know, in the industry. Yeah. So how do you, I mean, you mentioned something um, earlier that, because um, obviously you've seen a wide range of services from sm- smaller to bigger, but you've mentioned something earlier about um, having, people are getting older and services are getting smaller. Um, have you seen a shift in how services are run in terms of like the physical element of it or maybe like there's more people who want a different kind of service. Does that make sense? Like has there been a shift in terms of like a how people view a funeral? I think so um, because when my dad died, mum and dad died, we had to go to the church. You know, that's where we all went for a service. Mum and dad weren't religious people so I found that a bit wrong really. Um, and now, today, we have funeral homes or we have the, the um, crematorium um, where we can go now and it's not religious and we don't feel pressured to have that religious service, which I may offend people by saying this, but I think that in some religious services we're um, talking about God's death and not the person that's there. It's, right, it, and that's what you know. Some of them are like, and it, people won't agree with me, but it is. You go and you sit there and you listen, and there's a few eulogies or something, but there's nothing to the um, religious text that's in there, you know. And it, sometimes, to me, it's not celebrating that particular person's death. Whereas nowadays. Um, like you can have, I heard a service the other day where they all just gathered around the casket and talked about their family members. There was a couple of Bible readings, but not over the top. 
just what the family wanted. Right. So I think nowadays we've got more say in what we actually want. Does, when, I mean obviously um, if somebody arrives at the funeral home and you're talking with the family about what their wishes are in terms of a service, um, they'll have their input. Is it often that um, the person who's passed away has also had some sort of input into the service? It's happening a lot more. Mm. It's, um, people are starting to talk about death, you know. Um, they never used to. It used to be always hidden in the back closet. Um, and I remember that from when my brother got killed. We didn't go to the funeral or anything. It was, and we were 13 at the time. So nowadays, um, even so, when my kids, when my mum died and I took my kids, people were horrified that I'd taken little ones to have a look. Nowadays, everybody comes. Why do you think that is? I think it's more of an understanding and accepting that everybody's going to pass. You know, it's just something that's normal. And I'm actually just wanting to start off and do a big um, advertising campaign on the conversation because I don't think there's enough of us have that conversation about death, dying and our wishes. And that's obviously a healthy thing for, for the community and mm -hmm. for families to have. It's, it's a lot easier. If you've got two, you know, family come in and they know exactly what mum's talked about, that makes a huge difference. Yeah. Okay, to the family that come in and don't know what mum wants and, oh, I wonder if mum would like this or... And then you've got the other family member coming in and saying, oh, no, 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 and it creates that bit of tension between the family because they're not getting the right ideas, the, you know, the conflict. Yeah. So it's a lot easier for if you've had the conversation than you haven't. Yeah. Has, I mean, we're touching on something we talked about a little bit earlier, but has, has it become easier for you um, over time that you've been a funeral director dealing with this whole thing as well? Yes, yes. Yeah. What were the difficulties initially? The initial um, was trying not to get too involved with families. That was the thing, because you were feeling their grief as well, but you've got to get over that and you've got to start, um, you know, talking to them, taking charge, being stronger. But then there are times where you can't be strong, you know? Um, you, you're strong at the time with the families, but when you're doing, you're listening to people talking and things, as quite often I do, anyway, shed a tear. Mm. Um, just runs down my cheek, I can't help myself. Mm. So, yeah... I guess it's trying to strike that balance, isn't mm. it, between listening and really being attentive to the needs of the family, mm. yet still trying to do your job in the in the way that you know um, allows you to do it in, mm. over the long run. Because yeah. if you probably couldn't do it every day, where it's like, okay, I, I, I'm going to take on all of their grief as well, because that probably wouldn't get you it's very the far. The wrong way to go. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So what you do is, is you're strong and, and you control everything that's happening. And then once the family have gone, that's when you can have your time to get over, accept different things, and yeah, because you're the one that that is actually controlling what's happening as far as family goes. Because not every family is happy, healthy. You know, they some you get in, and there's this side over here, and there's this side over here, and they're going at one another. So you've got to be there to stop it. Yeah.
which is really like piggy in the middle. Yeah, yeah, I guess you're trying to, it's like running that balance again, isn't mm, it? It is, yeah. And especially at such a sort of acute time in someone's sort of mm. life, you know, dealing with the whole situation mm. must be pretty... Mm. It is. And that's where you've got to read your families. Yeah, right. And you've got to be strict and say, right, somebody's filling in our form, they're the ones that we go to, they're the ones that we listen to, we won't do anything unless they say. So you've really got to control... Yeah. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about um, training? Did you take any training when it came to this stuff? How did you learn to become it? I actually, no, I have not, I'm not trained. Um, I learned through everybody else. I've had, you know, like a mentor teaching me. My staff are all trained um, in funeral directing and embalming, so. Yeah, um, they go over to Wellington, to NMIT over the year, I think it is, and it's a special funeral course for embalmers. You don't go unless you've had a good year's service, you know, um, in your own place, because it's pretty hectic, and they're pretty strict on you. Same with funeral directing, you're better off if you've done it for a while, and, um, then, and then go and... And then go to the course. Okay. So really, it's... Unless you're actually in a funeral home and getting the training that you need, it's very hard to get into the industry. I mean, if it, it, it makes a lot of sense because it's like, well, you know, without really experiencing it, living, breathing it, then going to something like that probably is not going to be a whole lot of use to you because it's so probably disconnected from the realities of it. Mm, yeah. On paper, it's probably very different from it is from, you know. And you can usually tell... You know, we've had people here, oh, yes, look, it's going to be easy. No, embalming's not going to bother me, blah, 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 you know. And then when reality hits, it hits hard. Bet it does. And uh, then they sort of fight the emotions and think that they can do it. But if you haven't got a passion for it, it's not going to work. Can you tell me about what that passion is? It's, I guess it's something that you've always wanted to do, like Carl and Nicola that are here, it's something that they've always wanted to do, okay? And they're, inter they're interested in it. The, um, the results that they get have got to be good, have got to be high, you know? Um, it's so is it, is it some, is it, you know, I don't want to sound morbid, but is there some sort of... I wouldn't say passion for death, but definitely a sort of an, an interest in it. And do you, do you have that same do you have that same thing as well? Or I love helping people. That's my passion. I love helping people, and I guess that's why as a nurse, um, older people I love. I just love them. So yeah, and I do helping is something that I've always done. So, but these guys here, Carl's always wanted to be. He's all, it's just something that he's always dreamt of doing and wanting to do and he's got the opportunity so now he's been, I've sent him away to embalming school so he's got his certificate there and he's a qualified funeral director as well which I've sent him away for. Now it costs a lot of money to train somebody so you've got to make sure you're training the right person Yeah. and you've got to make sure that that person's pretty loyal and that they're going to do the best job, you know. Do you have, I mean, this might sound like a strange question, but do you have many people knocking on your door saying, hey, do you have any jobs available? You do. 
Yeah. How do you respond to that? Okay, well, we, let's, okay, assuming you had a, a position available, how would you? I would advertise it in the paper. Really? Or on the online if I had a job available. Yeah. Yeah. And what would be some of the, the um, criteria or some of the sort of the things you'd be looking out for in a person who's applying for a job with you um, guys? It, well, somebody that has to be, you have to be compassionate. That's one of the things. Um, and you have to be able to, well, one thing is always I won't have anybody in here unless they don't want to embalm. Okay, mm -hmm. other than me, <laughs> but I'm the boss. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but I think that people have got to, they've got to learn to embalm because if they don't learn to embalm, they don't know, learn the whole process properly. And it really, I think it starts from the embalming process through, and that's how you get your your feelings and yeah. Because I guess going through that process of embalming someone, you you understand that person. In a sense, I mean, yeah. does that make sense? You've got to have, if you're embalming somebody, you've got to have good work ethics, you know, and there's no shortcuts with embalming. And, the, you know, the person that comes in and you start on has got to look 100% better than when you're finished, and you've got to be proud of that product at the end, you know, and that's important. And if they can do that, and then they will continue that on in their funeral directing as well. Right. Mm. Okay. Because it's all attention to detail. Attention to detail. Because mm. of the small things, eh? Yep. And, mm. all, and it all adds up. It and does. of course the families would notice that. Yep. Mm. Especially when it's one of, their, one of their own, you know? You can very easily offend a family and you don't mean to and you don't even know that you've done it. Can you tell, um, tell us a little bit about that? Like it's just maybe one or two words that you use that you don't mean to, you know, like um, somebody's had a long illness and I remember doing this and saying, you know, it's got to be a release. And that, and I was meaning it sincerely, Yeah. but they were a wee bit offended by it, so I don't say that now. <laughs> I only said it once and I won't say it again, but it was, come from the heart, it wasn't you know, horrible, meaning anything horrible, you know, the police are gone sort of thing. It was really seriously meant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you've got to be careful what words you choose to, yeah. So let's, um, let's talk a little bit about um, when I was walking through the, um, through the funeral home, you talked me through the process of the people who are coming in as opposed to the funeral itself. Do you want to talk a little bit about um, what happens to them? Like, so you get a call, obviously, from 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 somebody. Yeah. Hey, um, this person needs to be packed up. Do you want to talk mm. a little about that? Yeah. Well, yeah. We could, we um, once we've been rung about a person passing, um, we get all the details that we can. We go and do the transfer, and we come back here, and we you got um, a book that we fill in, then the labelled. Um, and we put them in the cool room, and then... Here's a, I don't know if you know the answer to this question, but what temperature is a cool room at? Do you know? No, I don't. Okay. No, sorry. That's right, yeah. <laughs> it's not freezing, though. It's not freezing, no. No. No, no, no. no. Um, so they're in the cool room. So they're in the cool room, and then we ring the families to say that their loved ones are here, that we've got them in our care, which is an important part of the process as well is that to let them know would would they would the families know that they've passed already 
Or, yes. you, so you're not the first person to break the news, obviously. No. The first ones to break the news are at the home or wherever they pass. Right. They're the ones. So the family already have, have chosen their funeral home. So. Right, okay. So then you call them and say, hey, look, we've got... Yeah, so-and-so here. Yeah, right. loved one here. And yep. then we arrange to have a time to meet. Up until then, we cannot do anything with the body at all. We just have to leave it as it is. Okay. Um, if it's for cremation and the family want it embalmed and it's on a Saturday, we cannot touch that body until the doctor's actually seen it on be uh, for the Monday maybe the doctor will come in Monday morning so you have to hold the we body. have to hold until a doctor's actually seen the body why is that because um, the doctor might not agree with the death might think oh there's something a bit funny here ah so we cannot t well you're not supposed to put it that way we do not touch that body yeah you know we I mean we check on it but we don't do anything with it yeah. until the doctor's actually seen it yeah for that's for cremation. For burial, it's different because if the doctors are suspicious about something and the person's gone, um, then they can exhume. So that's not a problem. It's just mainly for cremations. Quick question. Does that happen? And if so, does it happen? You know, has it happened? No. 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 It's very rare. If, if you're a bit dodgy about something, um, then they call in the coroners. Yeah. And they'd be pretty onto it. They'd be onto it pretty quick. They are very onto it very quick. So yeah. it's coroners. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And so once, um, let's say that the uh, the family has decided that let's go with a full burial. Mm -hmm. um, what happens to the person in the cool room now? Depending, um, we like to embalm if we can, but then some people are dead against it. So if they are against embalming, then we insist that they stay in the cool room. Um, we do let them have one viewing. It's a timed viewing. How long does that last? With, without, without, without a body being embalmed, how long does... We've kept them up to a week, but it's, we don't like doing it that That's long. That's in the cool room? <clears throat> in the cool room, yeah. yeah. And while they're in there, we try not to do anything with them until we have to. Because once you start moving them around, then things... the, the body acids and things start working, so, yeah. And outside of the cool room, how, how long would it last? Not long, I imagine. No, no not long at all. A few hours? A few hours, it's, then they start to, um, the tummy area goes off, so it goes quite green, so then they start going from there. And if it's hot, then they can um, blow up. Blow it. Mm. Right, okay. So, yeah. so it's very... It's very, very quick, the, the process. It's better, the sooner it is, the better. I mean, we let people, if someone's died at home at seven o'clock and they want to keep them till the morning, that's fine. You know, as long as it's a cool room. Yeah, Yeah. okay. Yeah. And so once, um, let's say the family decides, okay, we're gonna embalm them, then it goes to the embalmer, which? He will embalm them, yep. or she, and then they go into their casket, yep. they're dressed and go into the casket, and then they can stay in there for as long as you, you know, a week, two weeks, whatever oh, you well, okay. choose. Usually when you know you're going to embalm somebody, you know when the funeral's going to be, so you know how long. Mm. One thing about embalming that I must say is that people think that the chemicals are bad for you. If somebody's had chemotherapy, those chemicals are far, far worse than what our ones are. So they're quite mild. Mm, they are. 
So what would be some of the objections to um, a family? I think that they think someone. that their loved ones have just had enough. Yeah, you know? right. They just don't want it. Yeah. You know, why put mum through that when we've seen her and we've said goodbye? And, mm. I mean, we can do things like set their features, close their mouths, their eyes and tidy their hair and that. We can do that and that makes them look a lot better for the family. Yeah. Mm. Okay. A lot of funeral directors don't like doing it, so they'll probably comment on that, but I think that everybody's got to have a choice. They don't like not embalming. Mm. So it's a really crucial step in, in, in the process. Mm. And so the person's now been embalmed, and they're in the viewing room, mm -hmm. and then they've had the service uh, at, the, at the chapel here. Mm -hmm. And then what happens after that? Then from that they either go for, we take them for cremation or burial. Usually when we take them um, for cremation, family can come if they wish, and we just take them through the chapel there. Otherwise, which most people do here, is they just walk a wee way with the casket and then we drive off. Okay, then the other thing is burial. We um, take the, the casket and the family behind to the burial at the cemeteries. Now one thing as well I noticed when, I, when you took me through um, is that there's quite an array of different options for caskets. Mm -hmm. what, are, what are some of the more popular um, and, and, and what, what people really go for? The most popular one is the, most, is the basic um, casket which we call a Trafalgar. Um, everybody's got their own name for it but we call it a Trafalgar here. Yeah. Um, that's the one most people go for. Some people opt, um, depending on finances as well, and this is something that you must include in when you're talking with them. Um, but Lay some it people, out front. Yeah, yeah. Some people opt to have, um, oh God, what is it? I've lost the name. More. Casket, uh, just a, a basic plain um, MDF, sorry. MDF, yeah. Yeah, MDF casket. And it services they can personalise it yeah. or they can do it while they're burying their loved ones they can write on it which really some of the messages just move you mm. so mm. there's that option and then you just go through to the more experienced more expensive caskets right mm. and so there's every family's got their own sort of needs about what, how they want to do it and stuff mm -hmm. and, and I noticed as well that there's uh, the, the one of the more basic ones is biodegradable as well Mm -hmm. That's that's quite popular. That is quite popular. They're called departure lounges. Departure lounges. <laughs> and um, there's not a nail on them. Yeah. Not a nail. It's amazing the way they're put together. Yeah. yeah so everything's 100% biodegradable yeah. and it'll it'll do its thing. To the sheepskin um, calico lining in it, everything. So, yeah. That's what I want. That's, that's what you want. Yeah. I actually, I was just reading my notes here. How would you have your own funeral carried out? Well, we know that now. <laughs> One of those caskets. Okay. Yep. Um, what are some of the more curious sort of requests you've had for, for a service? Some of the different things, not so much in a service, but um, some of the things people want their pets with them when they get cremated. Their pet ashes are always done, so they want them with them. The most amazing funeral I did recently was a truck driver and um, he, his casket was put on the back of a truck, um, just the body back of the truck and there was something like 24 big trucks. Wow, big, big motorcade. 
it was absolutely yeah. moving. Yeah. And then when we got to the cemetery, to the crematorium where we went, um, they transferred him into the hearse because the hearse could, the truck couldn't go up there. Yeah. And when I was going up, they were just blowing their horns. That's cool. Now that was awesome. Yeah. But then, on the other hand, a nice, lovely little chapel service with people gathered around the casket telling you stories about their loved one is just as precious. Mm. So yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty pretty full on <laughs> stuff, eh? <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, some of the funny requests is getting asking for the handles back. The handles on the yeah on the casket, casket. yeah. One why, lot why wanted did... the handles for them. They thought they made good. They might put their felt cell phones in them, which All I right. thought was a bit strange. Yeah. And um, the other one is asking for their hips, their um, what's the name hips hip uh, replacement things and the, the bones. Yeah, there. right. Okay. Yeah, and those bits, you have had a few requests for those back. Which is a bit strange. And you get them back from them, obviously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Ha- okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's fun, yeah. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. That's fun. Okay. <laughs> I guess you know that makes. Well, when toward... when you're actually cremated, um, those sort of things don't burn. Yeah. Okay, so they're just in the form and they're just left there. Yeah. So yeah. Do you, just a random aside. How long does a uh, cremation uh, process take? About three, two to three hours. It's not long? No. no. Wow, okay. And then it's the cooling time after, which takes a bit longer. Yeah. Here in Nelson, we're really lucky because um, we can send to take a body today and we can get the ashes back tomorrow. Okay, so it's which is very really, fast. really cool for the families. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, I, I, <laughs> I was talking about this with mum yesterday. But I, I said, oh, is there, is there a busy season? Is there a period of the year or a period of the week or, you know? No, no, there's not. Yeah. Some months are normally busier. Cold snaps, real cold snaps get people or really hot. Yeah. But no, there's no rule to when they die. No. It just sort of happens. It just sort of happens. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, I got a, fr- a, f- a friend of mine, um, I was talking about this show, and she asked the question, which actually was interesting because through the, ho- uh, through the home we, we saw the um, unclaimed uh, ashes. But her question was, what happens if no one turns up to a funeral? What do you do? And what happens to the unclaimed ashes, I guess is a follow-up okay. from that. No. Um... I've never had anywhere where no one's actually turned up, but we have had um, we had a guy that was up at the mortuary for quite some time, and it annoyed me that he was there and no one cared. So I actually found out where he was from because it was a police case and did all the um, the work finding him, and then we actually got him and we cremated him. Yeah, he didn't go alone because we were there. Um, with him, we said a prayer over him, and we I put some um, rosemary on him for remembrance, and then did the committal. So that to me was very important because he did have somebody that cared. We cared, mm. and then it worked out that he was quite a well-known guy in Kaikoura. Right. So they had a big memorial service there for him. Ah. So, but um, but that was a happy ending that he had that. But the fact that. No one acclaimed him, really upset me. 
Yeah. Because every time I went up there and opened the, the bridge, he was there, so I used to say hello to him. Nutty. Most head. Grandma will tell you that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and the ashes thing, because we saw some from 1985. Mm. Unfortunately, we just have to keep them. Nowadays, people are very good at getting their ashes. Yeah. Yeah, because we ring them straight up and they usually, they're a lot more caring. Yeah. Some of those ashes that are in there are waiting on mm. their loved ones to die. Well, you know, they've probably gone, but the family haven't bothered about them. So, yeah. And which is quite sad. It is. Is, mm. there, is there a requirement? that's beyond you guys to keep those ashes or you just keep them indefinitely or we just keep them indefinitely somebody some dark time will come along and pick them up and you know. there hasn't been a case yet where you guys have just said look with with because Sean and Shirley's been around since the 1950s mm. there hasn't been um a case where the ashes have been you know here for say well these guys have been here for three decades mm. but where um you've decided that look it's no, just hang on to them. Just hang on to them, yeah. That room when I first came was full, so we did a, a clean out and a ring around and got rid of a lot of the ashes. Yeah. And I shouldn't say rid, but got uh, families to come and, yeah. and pick up their ashes. I didn't realise that they were still here. Yeah. So, so yeah. probably is a bit of it as well. But, yeah, sometimes you just cannot contact them, so. Yeah. But they'll still be here. Yeah. Mm. Um, okay, here's a few questions from more listeners. What's, and there's a few other questions I want to ask uh, after this as well, but um, what's the strangest thing about your job that a layman might not even consider? I don't know, because it's all normal to me. Um... When you first got on, you know, <laughs> like there's always like, oh, wow, okay. Yeah. I think, um, I don't know, there's always little surprises somewhere in people's histories and things but yeah no I, I, I don't really know of anything to okay. be honest because you expect everything well yeah I think I, probably the thing that shocked me the most was how families fought and argued and broke fell out over funerals that really upsets me yeah um, because really it's not worth falling out over you know you can all hold your peace for a couple of days yeah absolutely mm. for sure um What's the weirdest, these are still listening questions, uh, what's the weirdest thought you've had when you're dealing with somebody in, in the cooler room or um, mm. embalming or, or whatever, mm. makeup? Uh, I think um, it was one, <laughs> it's probably some of the abnorm abnormalities people have, you yeah. know, like speak got together, you know, all together rather than normal toes, do you know what I mean? Yeah. That sort of thing, um, yeah. Because I guess you you see a lot of it, You right? do, you see a lot, but you don't, yeah, it just blows over, you, you don't take any, you just don't take any notice of it really, but right. sometimes you get like that, somebody's, all their feet are joined together and, oh, that's a bit weird, how do they cope with that? But other than that, no, because <laughs> people were, when you, I mean, I go and help them with embalming too. I'll, you know, help them do little bits and pieces, and it just looks over your, over your head. You yeah. don't. You don't really think about it. You don't think about it. Yeah. No, no. Um, when you're dealing with families, do you have any 
what this person described as a stock thing you would say, what kind of, uh, and, and, and sort of further than that, what kind of things do people respond to the best? Mm, um, I think people will, will respond to you if they get a good feeling and you talk to the family. You know, you just like, when a family comes in, you can't just go straight in and ask lots of questions. You've got to get there you know, get them liking you first. So To create that connection. Yeah, the connection. And so the trust. That, yeah, yeah, so that they know that you're going to do everything in your power to help them. So the, the most important thing is getting them to trust you and have that faith in you, yeah. Um, and then just going through the process, really. Um, some people have funny demands, but, you know. I guess you just listen to it. And you listen to it, and if you can do it, you can do it. Um, there's a lot of funny requests for flowers and things. Yeah. You know, like we've had vegetable flowers. We did one just the other day where this gentleman had made his own um, cup holder. So we got that incorporated into some flowers with some trucks. So just doing the, going that little bit extra to help these people. Mm. Yeah. And that's how they respond the and, best. Yeah. And, and if, if they see that you're connecting with them and you're understanding them, then... They'll go, go a long way. goes a long way, yeah. You've already answered this question, but maybe you've got a different take on it. What do the staff talk about in the smoker room? <laughs> I can't tell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What stays in the... Yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, we... Um, they're quite a jovial lot. There's quite a lot of jokes yeah. going on. Um, yeah, what we've watched on TV, and then some bit of naughty things. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you one thing that does never come up yeah. in anywhere is anything to disrespect anybody, you know. Um, that's one thing that we're high on disrespectful, don't work in this place. Yeah. Yeah, so if we're sitting down and somebody's, you know, they've struck something funny in the mortuary, then, you know, or something disrespectful, they won't come and say, oh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's not like, they're not that's, like that. But That's cool. Yeah, but um, yeah, but they I like to play. Like this morning, Carl come in. I was in the mortuary, and he said to me that somebody's letting off a nail gun. And I said, "Oh, are they? I haven't heard it." And then he went out and he did this almighty pop on some bags. Well, I nearly ate myself. <laughs> you guys have a lot of fun. We do. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. that's cool. I've also had some guys laying some carpet. Oh, it was hilarious. And um, I got in this casket. And they covered over it, <laughs> and they were supposed to take me down to the room and down there, which they did. And um, oh, when he came in, because I could hear them, and I went, and sat up. Well, oh, I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> he told his boss he didn't want to work. <laughs> <laughs> but at the end of it, they wouldn't get me out of the casket either. That's so funny. <laughs> oh. So we have got good sense of humour. Yeah, 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 totally. Mm. <laughs> oh, I don't know how I would deal with that, to be honest. It's one thing enough, like walking through this place and somebody jumping out of a casket. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> when there's a, when you get somebody that's been, uh, that's had it like been in an accident or this sort of stuff, yeah, how do you deal with that? Because for most people, that'd be like deeply traumatic. Mm. Yes, um, to deal with that is really difficult. But again, it's talking with your associates. 
it's more, it's harder dealing with the family than it is the actual person um, because they're grieving so much um, and they want to see their loved ones and sometimes it's just not possible to see them. So what we can do is at least we can put their hand out if possible so that they can at least touch their hands so they can at least see that one part of them's there. But sometimes it's just too... I think it's very traumatic, but usually sometimes they've seen them at the hospital right? and had to ID them. So, But still, we're left to try and patch them up as much as we possibly can to make them look like they did look, which we have all the stuff here to do. Yeah, mm. yeah. yeah that's pretty... Pretty full on, eh? It is. And it's very hard on you and on the staff, so we do have lots of conversations on how things are doing. And if they're not, you know, at all happy on something that they've done, then they'll ring, not in Nelson, because Nelson funeral homes aren't all that friendly, which is quite sad. Right. Um, so they'll ring one of the other funeral homes and talk to them about, about you know, the experience. About the experience or um, how could I do this better, you know, if I did it this way. So that, that too gives them the, the um, thought really of, of how to go about it and be more um, sort of, yeah, helpful in themselves. Because I, I also saw um, the little, the, um, what, the, the cremation, uh, what, what, do you, what do you call it? Urns. Urns, sorry, urns, um, for babies as well. Mm. And that must be... Yeah, I mainly deal with babies, and I can tell you it's very, very difficult. Yeah. It is very difficult. Um, these, you try and control your emotions, um, but it is very hard. I did one just the other day, actually, and as soon as I walked in the room, the family bonded with me, which was really, really good. Um, so I went to... I, saw them several times, um, helped them place baby in the um, casket, things like that, so that they do a lot of it themselves, and that helps in the, the process as well. Absolutely. And then I went to the service, you know, I took some of the family with me to the cremation, and then I took the baby back, so, and then I said, I wish them all the best, you know, but I will be in contact in a few weeks down the track. I'll ring them just to see how to they see are. Going on, yeah. But it is very, very difficult. Yeah. Really difficult. Mm. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a tough one. I don't know how people can deal with that to be honest. Mm. You know, just dealing with those it's, it's really hard. Those yeah. really traumatic sort of things where, you know, people were just like mm. you know Yep. It's intense. It, it is just so hard. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And we um do a lot of our work, well I do most of my work, all of it really, for nothing for babies. Right. I don't charge anything at all. The only thing they pay for is a bit of um, some of the casket, the rest of it I donate to the hospital and yeah. How do you see the cost, I mean it's come up a couple of times in the media, the cost of a funeral. What's your response to that? Some, now it depends. Yeah. Yeah. A cost is what? Some people want everything for nothing. Yeah. I'm going to be honest here, that's what they do. They come in, they want, they want, they want, they want. And then, and you say to them, oh, but we're getting up there now, you know, oh, no, no, I still want, and I still want. And then when they get the bill, 
then they say, oh, blah, oh, blah, blah, crazy. blah. Right. And they run down the funeral home. It's not the funeral home's fault, it's because they haven't listened. Yeah, and, and what you said earlier as well, because you're very upfront about it, because mm. the last thing anybody wants is that, I mean, that's not good for anybody, mm. obviously, if they don't know what's going on. Yeah. So you're very upfront about it, right? Mm. And, and the, the thing is that people have to understand, if you've got no money, burial's very expensive. It's always going to be expensive. Um, because you've got to buy a plot of land and you've got to pay for the digging of it and all that. Whereas a cremation is a lot cheaper. How much is a cremation, by the way, roughly, and a, and a burial? Just out of curiosity. Uh, uh, what do we got here? Your cremation is five twenty-five. Okay. And your burial, you're looking at anything from about three, two to three thousand oh, dollars for big, a burial. Big so jump it's up. a big jump up. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, now, also with a, with a cremation, um, you can buy a little plot, which is about seven or eight hundred dollars, and you can put the ashes in there. Yeah, I've seen those, yeah. Yeah, which yeah. are really good. Yeah. And now, if you've got no money, and the parents have said that they want, um, you know, cremation, then I try and encourage them not to go to all this big flashy affairs of having a big funeral and things. Staying within your limit, mm. yeah. Mm. And again, it comes back to that little service of going to the chapel at the at the um, crematorium, standing around the casket, having a wee say about mum, dad, whoever, then doing a committal, a bit of music. And most of them, once I've done that, are so grateful for that. Yes, yeah, that's really interesting because, I mean, there. This is the sort of perception about funeral homes to a point is that. It's like, well, for some people, is that they are profiting off the death of other people at a very, very vulnerable point in their lives. How do you see that? I mean, I know your answer. Yeah. I, I just, I think um, that it's, again, people wanting something for nothing. Yeah. You know, if you've got a choice of caskets from, say, $900 to 5000 Okay, it's up to you to choose, mm. to keep in your range. The prices are there so you know what you're buying before you actually purchase it. But you've also got to pay staff and you've also exactly. got to pay yeah. um, everything else. So, yeah, I, I try and encourage people to stay within their range. Yeah. I don't see the point of having a $5,000 casket and burning it. To me, that's total waste of money. But people think, oh, no. And, you know, oh, so-and-so might not, you know, think it's very good enough for Dad or whatever. I couldn't care about so-and-so. Care about yourselves, what you can afford. You're there to do it for your family and not to care what anybody else thinks. So the more you put it in, in to it as a family is the nicer experience. And the casket, it's just a bed. Yeah, right. Yeah, just you know? The, yeah, yeah, it yeah, is, yeah. it's just the bed. Yeah. A really quick question, um, Bev. One of the things that sort of, that when I was doing my research for the show, is that a lot of them, a lot of funeral homes are actually owned by much larger conglomerates. What's the is it is it is it a competitive industry? How does the whole thing work? Yeah, it is a very competitive industry now because you're getting um, companies from overseas coming and taking and buying up funeral homes. So they um, have got a lot more money to spend on advertising and things and getting their names and that out there. 
but I don't necessarily say they're as good as the people that actually own their businesses. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you own a business, if you own a business, it's more personal to you. You make sure that everything goes right. Whereas if you're working for a conglomerate of people, then I don't know that it's the same. I'm not saying that the people themselves aren't caring or anything, but you just haven't got the freedom to do yeah. some little things extra yeah. without having to charge. Did you ever watch Six Feet Under? Yes, I did. Because there was a big thing, eh? The big one of the big uh, storylines was they wanted to be they, they didn't want to sell themselves to the big the big corporate. How did you feel about that? I mean, that's kind of something that you'd encounter, wouldn't it? Like going up against the big guys or something. Yeah, I, I think that you have to back yourself. Yeah. You know, you just have to go with yourself, your own instincts, gut instincts. And um, if you've got good staff and you do a very good job and go the extra mile for people, I think that's more important than anything else. Mm. These big places, they can have all the money that they like, but you've got to have the good staff to run them. Mm. Yeah. It's yeah. true, way. It's just, I, uh, the thing that annoys me, the whole thing, is that every funeral home is out fighting for themselves and in your own area, you can't go to any of them, especially here in Nelson, because they don't want to share anything. It's really, really sad. Yeah. You know, I can't ring any of them and say, you know, could I do this or could we do that? Or maybe, how about going out for a coffee and a chat? No. That's, why is that? that? I don't know. It's just terrible. Do you know if that's actually happening outside of Nelson as well? well is that like a... I'd like to stick a thing in here and I'll, I'll probably get shot for it, but I don't really care because that's how I feel. Yeah. I went to a meeting of the um, Funeral Directors Association. Yes. And I felt like an outcast. Mm. I really felt that I had wasted my day going because the, some of the North Island ones, are, as far as I'm concerned, too far in the clouds and think that there's somebody to deal with some little person like me who's only new to the industry. Uh, so I I found that really, I come back and I thought, well, I have to be in the association, but I don't have to go into anything. So, it's, so it is very much... It's everybody for themselves, yeah. And there's not... That's so sad, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Because, I mean, you'd, mm. in, a, in an industry like this... Yep, they all need to look at themselves and what they're doing. You know, there's a few that we deal with with other things. Um, but if we have somebody that we want to go to Christchurch, we'll deal with one in Christchurch. But we don't hear from them other than that. Mm. Same in Wellington, I deal with one with the babies. I don't hear from them other than that, which is quite sad. It is sad mm. and a little bit silly, if you ask me. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's... It's sort of professional courtesy, do you yeah. know what I mean? And more than that, like you guys are doing a pretty incredible job. Yeah, and you'd think that it would be a lot more friendlier with them. Yeah. You know, the old cronies are all round together around the table and they're fine, but new people coming in is very difficult. Right, because mm. you're, you're, you're jostling for a position within this quite competitive industry. Mm. Yeah, yeah, so. I got another roof quick. So, six feet under. <laughs> what are the biggest similarities? And what are the things that are just make-believe? Because, by the way, that was one of my favourite TV shows when I was a teenager. I loved that show. And I still actually re-watch it, so mm. it's, it's good. Yeah, I, I'd have to say I didn't 
can't remember that much of it. I yeah. did watch it, but no. Yeah, yeah. okay, so there's no, yeah. okay, that's cool. Mm, no, but um, I was watching that funeral program and that uh, was on a while ago over in England on right. some of the things over there, and I'm thinking, oh, that doesn't happen now, and this doesn't happen now, and that's how much the industry's changed. Oh, it's changing, right? Yeah. yeah it's changing Evolving. Hugely. Well, I mean, you're meeting the, the needs of the people. and Yeah. Yeah. And they're changing. The society's changing. Yeah, we're a lot more sort of open about it, eh? Yeah, yeah. People are, and people are more definite in what they want. And um, price is a, a big thing. Mm. Yeah. And so it should be. Mm. So, you know, if you can just talk people into paying what they can afford and not expect. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that's the thing. Mm. I mean, maybe, 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 you know, like an, ind mm. an independent operator like yourself mm. can. Yeah, connect with the community more than these sort of big conglomerates. I find that quite quite disgusting, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's um, very disappointing for me in the industry. Yeah. Yeah, but it's the yeah. way they are, and locally is is just bad, just bad. Not good. No, no. So. That's cool. It's the way it is. It's the way it is. Get on with life. That's it. Look after yourselves. Um, and so, what would you say to somebody who? was interested in becoming a funeral director, what, what steps would you tell them to pursue? Um, they would have to probably see if they can do some volunteer work with funeral homes. Yeah. That's the best place to start? It's the best place to start. Mm. There is um, a course that was in Christchurch that you can go and um, have a look at, but it really doesn't give you any idea because you have not got any hands-on. If you don't like dead people, you don't like what you see, then you're not going to do anything, are you? You're not going to cope. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. So, yeah. You've, one thing you've got to like is dead people. <laughs> <laughs> you do. I tell you. That's the quote of the entire <laughs> of the entire hour conversation. One thing you've got to like is dead people. Well, you do. My husband, Gary, he used to hate, well, not hate them, but he used to disappear when anybody was gone friends or anything like gone. Really? Absolutely. And then we come in here and we just left him. Because I told the staff that's what he was like. And now he comes and does transfers with me. Wow. He, we just let him do what he wanted to do. And he'd poke around corners and have a wee peep at things. And now, oh, but it is so fascinating. Yeah, so now he does transfers. Okay. <laughs> Let's end on this note. I am, I mean, this is... As I mentioned to you when I first came in, um, I've been trying to hook up this sh a show with Shimmerick for months. And it was, you know, it was on the hit list of really interesting jobs of people who, and fascinating people who do them, I think. Can you explain why you think people like me, and, and I probably sh I'm sure that a lot of people, are, you know, in, in the community or whatever, and in, in, in wider sort of society, are fascinated by this? Because it's unknown, you know? You don't know what happens. This is the walls around here, and whatever goes on in here with their loved ones, they don't know about. Um, when we've had open homes and things, and, and I've had um, Chamber of Commerce here, the most, the best place to be is a mortuary. Honestly, they go around and, and you know, they, oh, this is really nice, this is already really nice, and then they get to the mortuary and it's questions come like you've never heard before. Uh, yeah, it is, isn't it? So it's really, you don't know what goes on behind these walls, so therefore 
You're like, oh, fascinating. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. how I felt. Hey? I was like, yeah. what? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're surprised when I showed you than the mortuary itself. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. was. It's quite. A, it's an incredible space, though. Yeah. Because there, there is something about it. Mm. I mean, culturally, I think that we kind of. It's it's represent death is represented a lot in sort of the media and all this sort of mm. stuff, but it's still very foreign to us. Mm. And to break those walls, as you say, to push through and be like, okay, mm. this is where it kind of happens. It's truly yeah. fascinating. Yep, I think that we've all got to accept that it's going to happen to us. And I think that talking to your family, you only need a conversation once about it and they'll remember. Yeah, you do. Or yeah. then you, you can come and do arrangements or whatever. Um, it just takes so much stress off them. And really, we are just, I'm just a normal mum. <laughs> mum and dad, you know, mum with three children, so grandchildren. Yeah. I'm just go. normal. normal and, and I go downtown in my jeans and whatever. There you go. Yeah. Thank, so, yeah. So, normal person that just has a really fascinating job. Mm. Thank you, Bev, so much for coming on the show. Um, yeah, again, mind blowing. And we've got some great pit. If you haven't seen the pictures, listeners, uh, hop on the Facebook page, Join the Fat Podcast, just look up that. And you can see some of the pictures I've taken um, of this place. And also, yeah, Sean and Shirley is the name of, of the funeral home here in Nelson. But anyway, thank you again, Bev. It's been right. amazing talking. Mm-hmm.